0: welcome to a new episode of thinking out loud i'm ria safi and a heartfelt thank you to all for the love and feedback thus far kathy Calvin said giving is not just about making a donation it is about making a difference my guest on the show today is an african thought leader environmentalist a social entrepreneur, and an internationally well-known activist and humanitarian worker. It is my honor to welcome Catherine Constanides to Thinking Out Loud.
1: So wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Your journey thus far has been filled with many, many highlights. If you were to look back at your journey and share with us some of those moments, how exactly did you get involved in your work as a social activist and a humanitarian worker
1: well i'm glad you're not asking me to share with you what what some of my highlights are because i think i have really i could write books on the highlights because i'm really really privileged to have so many that really fill a a, a lifetime and um so, I would share with you where I kind of began and how my work began it would It would have to kind of date back and go back to being a young girl, um, literally literally being a little girl actually, and uh, growing up in a home that was a very humble home. we had very little, but we had service very much at the core and the fabric of who we were as a family unit. And so community service was part of what we did. It was just who we were as a family. And so I remember many weekends spent um, going out and uh, playing bingo with old people at old age homes, feeding people during Easter or Christmas, having Christmas lunches at big community halls where people would come in and share meals. spending a lot of time in our garden as a young girl I was privileged to spend a lot of time in my garden with my dad and I think he he really instilled in us that we were the guardians of the garden but symbolic of the earth and very much instilled in us that we were we were the ones that had to protect it and I think we took that quite literally so my journey really as a social activist um as a climate activist, as a human rights defender, really, really stems from way back when I was very young. I think if you had asked me as a, a little girl, as a teenager, what I wanted to do or what I was going to do when I was older, I would have certainly told you that I was going to be the president of South Africa. I think that my journey, though, has, um, <laughs> uh, my journey took me on a very, very different a, a path that I would not have ordinarily have chosen, but a path that has been rich. Um, it has been so rich with experience, with wisdom, with knowledge, uh, learning and growing as I've gone along. And it has really, really been a, a path of discovery and of uh, pure fulfillment in in so many ways. And even though so many things never worked out the way that I had hoped or had planned, I certainly am still on the very same journey and kind of headed in the same direction. However, my my route took many arterial routes and uh, went in very different directions. And it took me around the globe. And what I didn't know was that I would become... um, you know, an international climate activist working across Africa, working around the world, and that my human rights and and social justice work would take me to corners of the world that I could never have dreamt of, places that I really would have to have had a look on a map where they were 10 years ago. And I'm privileged to have shared so many experiences and extraordinary um, moments of life with remarkable human beings who are the unknown heroes of societies, of communities, of villages the world over.
0: What an inspirational story indeed. Now, what are some of the projects that you are truly passionate about at present?
1: So I would have to say some of the, the most important projects or the most important projects I'm working on currently. I, of course, without a doubt, my human rights work on the question of Western Sahara and my fight for the self-determination of the Sahrawi people who still, um, since 1975 to this day, have still not been given the inalienable right to self-determination and to be able to choose Uh, their own future. These people are under... um military occupation by Morocco and are living under an occupation where colonization still takes place. So in this day and age where we're able to access so much information, we're able to send a man to the moon, we still cannot decolonize the last colony in Africa, and that is the Western Sahara. I work extensively in the Sahrawi refugee camps, which are in southwest Algeria. I frequent those camps and in fact had to come back to South Africa when lockdown happened because the lockdown was announced. But my work and my passion for this is is um it's not really a project anymore it's really a, a life's mission and so that work is extremely important to me and then my work on the environment on really rewriting the narrative of climate change environmental security what that means and our environmental responsibility as citizens i think it really talks to a lot of the work on citizenship and 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 my work on really driving how do we actually ask ourselves how do we become better south africans how do we ensure that we are better citizens of a country that we're trying to build a young democracy like south africa needs every single citizen to be committed to doing what they can every single day, not just in moments and pockets, not just when there's an election period. It has to be a dedicated effort, and we have to start working from the grassroots level up and not waiting for leadership that we have not been given. And so I really, really try and drive that as part of my daily existence. So those are the things that I... I really live to do Um, projects you know i work a lot on the waste space um, looking at waste food security food gardens and doing a lot of urban farming so where there are open spaces i try to grow food i i don't ask for permission i rather ask for um, forgiveness Uh, when there's an open space food should be grown there Our country is in dire need of food and of being able to just feed our people. And so food security has been something I've worked on for many, many, many years. And this year with COVID, um, I've kind of revisited that work and trying to really um, support a lot of the incredible programs that are happening countrywide. But we really need to take that to scale. And then the work on waste. Waste is something we don't talk about. It's not sexy. It's not interesting. It's really like who wants to talk about waste? And so about six years ago, as an organization, we took waste on. And we really tried to drive home our waste footprint and try to get people to understand using a a social media hashtag, waste stops with me. We really tried to drive home. Why is it important for us to ask ourselves the question? Don't worry about the pickers that you see on the road. Don't worry about the government not collecting your waste every week or when when there's a strike and collections don't happen, ask yourself, what is it that you do in your daily life to reduce your own uh, single-use plastic uh, footprint, your own carbon footprint when it comes to waste? creating waste as citizens uh, at an extraordinary and alarming rate. And what we don't realize is that our land, our landfills are full to capacity and we're going to have to start to move that waste outside of cities like Johannesburg and, you know, uh, across our country. We have a huge waste challenge and that waste eventually lands up in the ocean. uh, If it has not yet uh, seeped into our water, our waterbed and the water layers of, of the earth. And we really have an extraordinary amount of work to do within that space and understanding our our connection to waste. Because we go into a shop, we see fruits and vegetables all packaged. We never ask ourselves where that fruit and vegetable came from. We don't even wonder about the carbon footprint. You know, the fine print says produce of Kenya produce of Turkey produce of uh, Spain etc cetera, etc. Cetera. We don't ask ourselves the basic questions. And in order to get our economy to recover, the small things that can be done are for us to think about where are we getting our produce, how is it packaged, can I reuse that packaging, am I reusing it, am I recycling it, do I support local farmers, do I support local economies, uh, and and make sure that I'm I'm adding value into back into our local economy. It goes back to citizenship. And we have to start to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we're doing to be better South Africans?
0: Not to be honest, when I listen to you speak so passionately, makes me want to get up and get involved. In your opinion, how can we make the world a better place?
1: I think you have to ask yourself, Are you making the space that you occupy a better place today? Why did you not use today to do something different? Do one thing, change one thing every single day and try to just lead from where you are. We don't need people to be politicians. We don't need them to occupy corner offices, have exciting and very fancy titles. We need people to be the best version of themselves every single day. So I would really, I would, I would say it's the small things that we forget or take for granted. It's the small things that we can do each and every one of us. And it's a different thing for every person, but that is what we need to do in order to change the world. We need everyone to really step up to the plate and to challenge themselves personally, to be the best that they can be to really fight against the things that they see that are wrong in their own communities. An example, you know, Uh, a couple of weeks back, it was World Cleanup Day. And I attended a few cleanups that were happening in different parts of um, the country during that week leading up to cleanup day. And my call to action really is, we've got to go beyond just that one day. I would would truly, truly implore every single person, go out onto your pavement, pick up any pieces of paper that you see. After doing that for a while, go and walk down your street clean up just your street. Start to take responsibility. Let us not ask who put the litter there, who dropped the paper, who threw something out the vehicle, because obviously that was not meant to happen and shouldn't have happened. We're not going to change the other person's behavior. However, what are we going to do to change that street today? And it's a, it's the small things we can do. We can pick up the rubbish that we see around us. Instead of questioning where did it come from, who put it there, or shocking that it's there, what did we do to pick it up and throw it somewhere? Or pick it up, put it in a plastic bag, and hang on to it until we do find a bin. It's the small things that we can and should be doing. And we need to really relook at the kind of respect that we have for each other, and the kind of respect we have for ourselves, and the kind of environments we want to live in. And we have to start from where we are. Don't go far. Look just on the pavement where your house is, the street where your apartment might be. Look at the street that you drive down or walk down every single day to catch a taxi, to get a bus, to go to work. And then ask yourself the question, what can you do in your small way every single day to start making the world a better place?
0: I guess it's about taking responsibility, isn't it? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country as well. According to the United Nations, the world is witnessing the highest levels of displacement on record seventy point eight million people forced to move, among them thirty million refugees, half of whom are under the age of eighteen. How did we get here and what in your opinion is the solution to resolve this ongoing refugee crisis?
1: The refugee crisis I think has has really exploded, and those numbers um, certainly paint that picture and, and and give us a very vivid understanding of what the situation is. I don't know how we, I don't have an answer as to how we resolve the refugee crisis. However, we have to, I would rather say how, How do we question how we deal with it on a daily basis? How do we ensure that refugees are given the respect within our communities and our societies? What we don't always understand is we're easy and very quick to judge, but we don't always understand where people have come from. Why is it that somebody would feel that it is, it is safer to put their child in water in a boat and send them across the ocean because it's safer that way than keeping them on the land that they've come from or where they were born. We have to ask ourselves these questions. And I think that we have to be able to extend our our humanity to others. And so the, the, there may not be an actual solution for refugees, but I certainly think we have to challenge ourselves as to how we, rec- how we receive refugees in our communities, in our direct spaces. How do we respect them? How do we start to engage with them? And I think that looking at our own continent and our own South African context, we may not have refugees, but we certainly do have foreign... um, uh, foreigners that come from across our, our borders, across the South African border, from across the continent. And I think that when we look at the xenophobic problems and challenges we have in South Africa, it's because we have failed to understand what the problem is and what the root of that problem is. How do we really address a problem if we cannot understand where it started, why it started, and we fail to put ourselves in other people's shoes? Instead, we first judge them. We um, we are quick to create you know, remarks and have Uh, you know, we're all then armchair critics, but have we really, really engaged? Have we been on the ground and actually spoken to somebody who's come from Malawi, Zimbabwe, Congo, Uganda, wherever they may have come from? The same goes for refugees. We in South Africa do not see the impact of the global refugee numbers that you have stated, as do many other parts of the world, even North Africa, uh, Europe, um, many parts of Europe who even... um, the Middle East, where where refugees are moving across borders, are, are fleeing uh, for their safety, etc. We don't yet understand the refugee crisis in South Africa. But what we have to do is to really challenge our thinking globally to how do we receive refugees and how do we re- really respect each other's borders, boundaries, uh, you know, the cross cut of culture, diversity, religion, and how do we start to live in a new world, a, a world order that respects these boundaries and accepts them and brings them into a space where we're creating safe spaces for people to be human together?
0: Your thinking out loud question has to be what's the biggest challenge that you have with your specific role right now, and how are you going to overcome it?
1: Sure, um, at, you know, there, there are many challenges in the work that I do. Right now I'm stuck, I can't travel outside of South Africa. Um, our borders have gradually started to open, but the world is still kind of on lockdown. We are seeing Europe going to second lockdown phases, a second wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so a lot of my work to be in spaces and places where I ordinarily would be able to command an audience, uh, where we are able to have difficult and uncomfortable conversations. That's had to take very different forms and I think that we've all learned so much through this lockdown period, through this COVID pandemic. I unfortunately am also personally challenged with um, with COVID residue in, in many ways. Uh, I had COVID 15 weeks ago and am still suffering from immense um, struggles left behind because of COVID. And so that's a, a constant struggle and hurdle, but it's about pacing myself, creating a new normal, really challenging myself each and every day to to just tackle that day at a time. For somebody who used to go 175 kilometers an hour on a slow pace, um, being still and in one place and where your mind wants to do one thing, but your body won't allow you to, it's a really different place to be in. And so that challenge as well is, is one that is a, a personal, very deep question I constantly am struggling or, or being challenged by. But then when I look at my work, the question of Western Sahara um, uh, keeps me up at night. And uh, so when I think about this big question, my I, I constantly question what our freedom fighters in South Africa, when they fought for the freedom of our country and the liberation of South Africa from a very dark and evil past, I think of what it required of the human spirit to continue to fight against all odds. And as we continue to fight for the freedom and the self-determination of the people of Western Sahara, I, I constantly think back to the fact that even in the darkest, darkest moments, um, on a very personal level for those freedom fighters, they continue to find strength deep, deep within. And so the big question is, how do we constantly find a source of strength to dig deeply, to find hope and to challenge um, the very fabric of of what society should be, what humanity should look like, and fight for the ideal that very few uh, can understand when you're when you're working against a regime that is doing everything it can, throws all of its resources to ensure that voices such as yours are oppressed, are harassed, and you've got to keep fighting. Last week I woke up with 750 DMs in my Instagram box and my Twitter account. And that was all engineered by the Moroccan regime who have me listed as someone that uh, speaks very freely and outwardly against this regime and this occupation. And you have to deal with that mentally, emotionally, and physically in many ways, because you have to get up and you have to continue fighting. You have have to stand by the conviction Of what you know is true and what you know is right and just and that takes great courage it takes great strength and it takes a very deep deep place within to find hope and courage on a constant basis
0: now that experience which you relate to me sounds absolutely scary it must be challenging as a woman to be doing this kind of work and getting involved in such situations
1: it's it's difficult it is really difficult and you know often people say to me oh you have to have a thick skin uh, yeah yeah I get it I understand but we're human beings and so being a woman being vulnerable um just by the very mere fact that you are a woman and you know we we're, we're exposed to danger in so many ways. We're exposed to um, violence, especially in South Africa. When you get threats such as these, it's not just about that hard shell, it's about being able to find a mental strength that you know what's going on, you know how it affects you because you're a person at the end of the day. But you have to find a way to kind of box it and put it on the shelf and know it's there, keep it in sight always. But find a way to continue fighting. It's a difficult struggle and it's a daily struggle. It's a daily reminder. But you have to keep going. And again I say it's it's that conviction of knowing what you're doing and knowing for me, I think of the children in the refugee camps that I've lived with for seven years. I think of those children that I've worked with, uh, the young freedom fighters that, that live under those circumstances. I think of the people in the, the occupied territories who I'm privileged to know on a personal basis. I have been privileged to be given their stories and being told their stories of torture, of victimization. And I think to myself, I'm just but one small fish in this large ocean.
0: Catherine, a heartfelt thank you to you for making the time and chatting to us on Thinking Out Loud. You have surely been an inspiration to many.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who listens to this podcast. I hope it does bring inspiration. And thank you for creating a platform and an opportunity for us to engage in this way.
0: Please share this episode and remember to press the subscribe button and you will be notified when a new episode is uploaded. Over the next few episodes, we feature a variety of guests who will be helping us find answers to questions we often think about but rarely ask on Thinking Out Loud. Thank you so much for listening. Till the next episode, bye for now.